You're listening to episode two of the Choose to Think podcast. This podcast is designed to help us discover personal and practical applications from the Psalms. And occasionally we may learn how the mindset of gratitude has impacted my podcast guests. I'm Victoria Walker, a 21st century Christian woman trying to do life God's way. Come with me to put the feet on your faith. Today, we're going to choose to think. Friend, are you or someone you know facing really bad news? Has life taken a nasty turn? Are you feeling attacked from without and from within? Having trouble juggling the many demands in life? Well, do I have some good news for you. Fasten your seatbelts because today we will discover just how important God's faithfulness is. But before we start, allow me a bit of a rant. I have sat in more than one Christian circle discussing the topic of faith. And almost always, without fail, the discussion is about my faith, my lack of faith, the size of my faith, how I'm exercising my faith. And I often leave those gatherings still focused on myself, perhaps thinking that there's something wrong with me or my Christianity. And I may tell myself, Victoria, you are less than. You do not have what it takes to be that victorious Christian soldier that you only dream of being. Jesus is looking right at you saying, you of little faith. Well, and the problem here. It's what I call secular or humanistic Christianity, where the focus is on self, not on God. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, we have to vent our feelings and process them, acknowledge our frailties and humanness. But in the end, by golly, we better come round about face with what matters most. We need to make sure to settle deeply into the power of God's truth and who He is. Is our faith important? Yes, but it doesn't play top fiddle. I want to tell you the story of a remarkable and godly woman named Linda. By the way, Linda means lovely or beautiful in Spanish, the perfect name for her. She was the wealthiest woman I have ever known. She was a modern-day Job. I do not know how she came to know the Lord during her lifetime. I only know that she loved God with a persistent and apparent passion. She lived quite humbly in the material world, but spiritually, she was right there on cloud nine. She gave birth to nine sons and one daughter, the baby, and in her lifetime, she stood by the sides of six of her boys as they died. She married twice, and both her husbands died as well. Do you need me to say that again? Linda lost six children and two husbands over the course of her 91 years on this earth. She experienced a suffering and persecution of sorts that few have ever undergone. Hers was a legacy of pain and anguish that she, with God's help, refused to give way to. Despite her great unconscionable loss, her suffering bore testimony to the immeasurable grace and love of the merciful God she served. After each loss and with God's help, she rose again, never allowing bitterness, anger, resentment, or guilt to trump her inner desire to glorify the Lord. Our faith, just like Linda's, will be refined as we mature. Its growth is the supernatural result of knowing our God by name, finding strength in Him and who He is, not depending on ourselves. Her long-suffering directed her to God. In her last days, listen to what Linda once told me about long-suffering, and this is my paraphrase, quote, Only the strong in the Lord survive. Only by the grace of God have I endured much, and do I continue to endure. I am to do His will. It is just that simple. 
I ask myself often, what would God do? What would he want me to do? God walked with me through my unfulfilled longings and deep personal suffering. My focus was on him. He is the beginning and the end. He helped me to grow, to mature in spirit. I knew it was an either or. Either I learn or I don't. And there's always room for improvement. God made me of clay, and he remembers that I am made of clay. Yet he loves me anyway. He tolerates me anyway. Now, maybe that is true long-suffering. Yes, I'd say it is. End quote. Did you catch how she described long-suffering? She turned the conversation to God and how he was long-suffering on her behalf. This is a common expressive technique that David used as he penned the Psalms. The Psalm today has quite a few one-line zingers in its 16 verses. Coming in at the second most popular Psalm, right after the 23rd Psalm, David is also attributed as the author. Remember that Psalms are poetic songs. See if you can sense that choral quality as you listen to this psalm. In other words, picture an orchestra with different symphonic groups having center stage at different moments, with different singers who shift the focus. In other words, sometimes you will hear different persons singing in shifting stanzas using I and my, or he and his, or you. You may also note the overarching thing of warfare, assaults of the enemy, and pestilence or disease. Whether what we face is beyond ourselves or hidden inside ourselves, we are offered one resounding truth about God's faithfulness. Also, as I read, see if you can pinpoint God's attributes, His names, His characteristics, and nature. Psalm 91, Security of the One Who Trusts in the Lord He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands, that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high, because he has known my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. 
friend, what can we learn from this psalm about facing life's most difficult issues? Will we see echoes of Psalm 91 and how Linda handled her own life? Well, before we discuss the three practical applications you can make in your life, especially when you are facing giants and what seem to be mountains that you can't quite get around or over, let's take a quick break from our sponsor. Welcome back. Let's jump in to the three action items that we can take during trials and suffering. Number one, shift your position. It might be time for you to move. Look around. Notice where you are in the midst of your life's troublesome event. Are there mountains before you? Are you backed against a wall? Check out your spiritual GPS and landscape. You may be extremely vulnerable at the moment, and if you're not careful, you may get picked off. You may the arrows may be flying. You may get hit. If you are in the heat of the battle, remind yourself that there is hope and security awaiting you. You may need to make a move toward God. How is God described in Psalm 91? He's described as our refuge, our fortress, our dwelling place. He is likened to a bird who will lovingly cover you with his wings. Tiny baby birds cannot cover themselves. No, they scurry quickly to their mother, chirping as they run. And when they find her, they quickly nestle into her warmth, her frame, her strength. In this psalm, in Psalm 91, God takes on three different names. He is your father. He's God Most High. And in Hebrew, that's Elion. He is the Almighty, El Shaddai. He is the Lord Jehovah. Just like in Psalm 23, he's our shepherd who leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Linda found herself in perhaps what was the hardest, most agonizing human emotion to experience, grief over the loss of a child. And not just one child, six During those dark, sad days, she desperately needed refuge, wouldn't you say? Didn't she need an inner quiet place, that secret place of communion with God? You know, onlookers were stunned at how she handled her grief and heartbreak. In the midst of it all, she was sorrowful yet always rejoicing, and she took to heart the admonishment to rejoice so that she could participate in the sufferings of Christ. And so that she was overjoyed when his glory was revealed. Her suffering unveiled her love of and devotion to the Lord. It also served as a catalyst by which she comforted others. Linda was comforted by God in all her troubles. But how? In a nutshell, she moved toward God, not away from him. And just as she suffered, she was also comforted. The more she suffered, the more she was comforted. And that comfort, that fortification that she, that she received so abundantly from God overflowed into the hearts and lives of others who were hurting and anguishing in body and spirit. She offered her compassion and her hope to others. She shifted her position and ran toward God and found comfort there. And this leads us to what we do next. So friend, once you shift your position and reorient yourself in the trial, It is time to take the next step. Action item number two, shift your faith focus. It is by faith, and you don't need much, that you lift your hand to God. But it's God's hand that grasps yours. You only have to lift your hand. And maybe you feel like, hey, I'm putting both hands up. Maybe you just need to say help. 
and then He'll do the rest. Be encouraged that although your faith may waver, God's faithfulness never does. Remember, it is His faithfulness that protects you, not your own. You become double buckled in by His faith. Okay, just picture a modern-day car seat. We really strap our little ones in, don't we? They are secured over the shoulders, around the chest, through the legs. This is God's faithfulness around your heart. His faithfulness becomes your security. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness and never-ending steady flow of love in your life through the years. Hasn't He proven Himself to you? Do you accept His faithfulness as valid proof of His love for you? Linda may have wavered in her own human faith a time or two in her long life, but God's faithfulness never changed. He showed up for her time after time, according to His character, His nature, and His essence. Focusing on God's faithfulness brings Him glory. Linda never wanted any self-glory, not one accolade, not one word of praise, not one second to bask in any limelight. The only one that she ever desired was that one who was the lifter of her head. To him and him alone be the glory, she would say. Personal suffering never masked her hope. The love that flowed from God the Father directly into her heart ignited her hope, proved his faithfulness, and advanced her faith, no matter her earthly trials and searing losses. The Bible says that Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. End quote. 1 Peter 1, 6-9. You see, in her suffering, her faith was indeed proved authentic, real, and of substance. But the faithfulness of God the Father was the real clencher, the basis and focus of her faith from the very beginning. Not only had Linda moved toward God and found refuge in her Savior, she put all bets in on his faithfulness, and I'm quite certain that she didn't allow her mind and thoughts to get the most of her, which brings us to action item number three, when we are facing trials and troubles. Friend, not only do you need to shift your position and shift your faith focus, but you also need to shift your mind's perspective. What does it mean to shift your mind's perspective? Well, it means you will check your toxic thoughts. Discover what it means to really know God by name, which means to know Him personally. Discover what your identity in Christ really means. Often, our own toxic thoughts can be like a deadly pestilence, absolutely ravaging our spiritual hearts and minds. We lose sight of the fact that we can rise up and defeat the enemy's attacks and deadly disease all in the battlefield of our minds. The psalmist tells us that our feet won't hit a stone and that in our feet is the power to trample. What does this mean? It means we have authority. We are conquerors. You also need to know something else about this remarkable woman, Linda. As if it's not enough that she lost six of her children and two husbands to death, she also suffered from undiagnosed breast cancer for years. She didn't tell a soul and she never complained. Finally, just a few months before she died, she confessed to her family. Okay, spoiler alert, this Linda I've been talking about was my grandmother, my dad's mom, Linda Johnson Lowe. 
Over those years, my grandmother knew something was amiss with her body, but do you think she constantly focused on her cancer and how her days were numbered? Do you think she concentrated on her aches and pains? Do you think she felt sorry for herself with questions about how unfair this was in her life and how could God do this to her, especially after all she'd been through? Do you think that she deserved this? Well, if indeed her focus had been on herself, I believe she may have died instead a bitter, resentful woman. Our words and our thoughts are powerful to defeat the enemy. You get to choose life or death by your words. There's power in your tongue. Choose to give life to yourself and death to your foe. We all face venomous serpents in our life of all shapes and sizes. Perhaps our own pride, our own selfishness and self-focus represent our greatest fleshly adversaries. Tread them down. Acknowledge your emotions and feelings, yes, but challenge the toxic thoughts very quickly. Change your own thoughts to songs of trust in, faith in, and praise of God. From the Expositor's Bible, I read about the overarching theme of Psalm 91. Quote, The deepest emotions, like songbirds, have but two or three notes, which they sing over and over again all the long day through. He that can use this singer's words of trust has a vocabulary rich enough. End quote. The notes that my grandmother was singing were not thoughts of self-pity, defeat, distrust, and pride. No, over and over her life bore testimony to God's faithfulness in the life of one single woman residing in a trailer in Clearfield, Kentucky. I remember when the family gathered to celebrate my grandmother's 89th birthday. We had no idea she was battling cancer at that time. After a prayer was said over the meal, we joined together in singing happy birthday to her. I watched her sweet face with such deep felt admiration and love for her. Her eyes were glistening with tears, and it was all she could do to keep from weeping audibly as she glanced around the room at all her children. She concluded the song by proclaiming amidst tears, I am so blessed. Would you believe that on her very birthday, she made her famous black walnut cake. She said she woke up that morning and decided she would make her own birthday cake. It's a family favorite, one she found in a Southern Living magazine over 50 years ago. What so impresses me about my grandmother is that despite all the pain and suffering she experienced in her lifetime, it's only refined her faith and made her into an absolutely stunning woman of God. We are the ones who are blessed. When she made that cake on her birthday, it also said to me that she's learned life wasn't all about her and how others should be making her happy. No, she knew she was in charge of her own fun. On the day we were to celebrate her birth, she woke up deciding to celebrate life by serving others. Though she would readily admit to countless mistakes, selfishness, or areas of sin throughout the journey of her life, the increase of years brought an immeasurable return of genuine wisdom and sincere humility, of great beauty and inner strength and peace. When God's grace abounds, it really is remarkable. What's more, Christian, is that you have the Holy Spirit to help you. He is strong and mighty to help. Can you lean on Him like never before? Can you shift your mind's perspective? Be grateful. 
Let's review those three practical application action items we can take as we find inspiration from the psalmist in Psalm 91. Number one, shift your position. Make a move toward God. Get to know Him or get to know Him better. Find comfort under His wings. Number two, shift your faith focus away from yourself and your faith and directly onto your Heavenly Father and His faithfulness that double buckles you in and offers you lasting security. And number three, shift your mind's perspective. Take captive those toxic thoughts and choose to think truth instead. Enjoy the blessings that overpour from an attitude of gratitude in serving others. When we consider the very life of Jesus, did He do these things? Number one, well, first He was God, but Even so, being fully human, do you recall the times he wanted to get alone with God, way away in a distant place? He shifted his GPS and made the move in the direction of his father. Two, would we say Jesus was a lone ranger and focused on his own belief system, or did he strictly represent his father? Scripture tells us that Jesus did the will of his father. He knew his father, and he knew his father was the essence of faithfulness. He trusted him. And three, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before his crucifixion, did Jesus not trample down the serpent as well as all the lies and accusations the enemy was no doubt spewing in his ear? Did Jesus not defeat death by his resurrection? Were his eyes not focused on the glory that would come after the cross? Friend, do you think Jesus ever thought of himself? Were his mind's thoughts about himself? Well, maybe just once, I guess, on the cross when he felt abandoned and forsaken. Yet in a divine moment that changed the course of the history of the world, Jesus Christ even trampled down that cry of anguish with the cry of triumph. Your will, Father, not mine. Don't you see that the very mind Christ had, we also have been given if we choose to trust and obey, to listen and to do his will? We can also look beyond our circumstances, our grief, our anguish, our trials, our hardships, life's many difficulties. We can keep our mind on things above. We can fix our mind's eye, our thoughts on Jesus, who both authors and who perfects our what? Our faith. The quote of the week is from the Expositor's Bible. Quote, the bit of dull steel might complain if it could feel of the pain of being polished, but the result is to make it a mirror fit to flash back the sunlight, end quote. You see, friend, that is what we can be. Even though life is terribly difficult and painful for us, it can be so bumpy and full of frustrations and setbacks, and for those we love, we can yet be satisfied and we can demonstrate and show God's glory. How? One, we shift our position and run to the very best refuge that exists. We snuggle deeply into the essence of our Heavenly Father. We ask our Father to protect us and help us in our circumstance. And there we are satisfied with His peace. Two, we shift our faith perspective from our own faith or lack of it to His faithfulness. We ask God to help us remember how faithful He has been in our lives. We may even start writing down those times He proved Himself faithful. We, we focus on His faithfulness. And when we do that, we are satisfied with hope. And number three, we shift our mind's perspective to God's truths. We ask God to help us take toxic thoughts captive and to replace them with His words of wisdom and guidance. There, we are satisfied with God's strength. You see, we can make our own birthday cake. We can choose to think. And you're thinking, wait, 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 don't go, don't go. 
I still don't know how to do this practically speaking. I mean, I want to experience those things, those mindsets, those ways of living. I really want to do that in my life. I want something more than what I'm living now. My life's a mess. My brain is filled with chaotic thinking. I feel defeated and I feel alone. Well, for you, friend, I would encourage you to take your sincere, broken heart directly to God right now. Fall to your knees, literally. Pour out your heart to Him, all your doubts, your confusion, your uncertainties, your fears. My dear grandmother, Linda, once told me, Vicki, God will heal your broken heart if you give Him all the pieces. Discover today, friend, what it means to offer to God all that you have which may be a broken and humble heart. Now that is the action item above all action items. Let's pray. Father, help us find you as you are chasing us, the great hound of heaven. Help us to run to you when we need help and are at the end of our ropes. Help us to remember your great faithfulness. Help us to check every thought we have against the truth of your word. Then help us to shine even in our pain and to reflect your glory to that loved one, that friend, that co-worker who is aching right here beside us. And may you alone, Father, be glorified. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so grateful for you. Hey, check out the show notes below and please stay connected. By the way, if you hung in there and you'd like my grandmother's black walnut birthday cake recipe, visit my website and click the podcast tab. There you will find the downloadable worksheet that goes with today's podcast, as well as this seriously delicious recipe. And it would mean the world to me, friend, if you would subscribe rate and leave a review on this podcast. Connect with me on www.startwithagratefulheart.weebly.com. Start with a Grateful Heart on Facebook and Victoria D. Walker on Instagram. Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.